and welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. This week, we continue in our series on what it means to be the church. Our associate care pastor, Joshua Masters, is back with a message on how to live and grow in a community. You can find additional resources and our message archives on our website at brookwoodchurch.org or on our Brookwood app. I am so excited that you guys are here. Wasn't it awesome to be led in worship by our student worship team this morning? Yeah. I like to remind people, you know, we always talk about what can we be teaching our students? What can we be teaching our kids? But we need to remember that there's some things that we can learn from them like purity of worship, and we are so grateful for them. They are part of our community. They didn't offer me one of their cool red shirts, so they didn't know we were talking about community today, I guess, but we are very grateful for them. Hey, last week we started a brand new series called As We Go. We're excited about that, and we've been asking the question, what does it mean to be the church? So we started this series by exploring what is the mission of the church? What's the mission of the body of Christ? So the first component of being the church from last week was this. Being the church requires knowing your mission. And we talked about our need to influence the world by building relationships of integrity with people in the world who don't have the hope of Christ in their lives. And if you weren't here last week, I really want to encourage you to go online, listen to the podcast or watch the message on our website, or you can even watch or listen to it through our Brookwood smartphone app, because everything that we're doing over the next three weeks builds on what that mission is. The next few weeks are going to build on how we fulfill that mission that we talked about last week. So today we're going to talk about the second key component in being the church, So if you take out your outlines, the fill-in at the top of your outline this morning is this. Being the church requires unity in community. Unity in community. We are designed by God to live, grow, and work in community. We're meant to be together. And if we're going to bring the light of God to the rest of the world, then we need to be living in that light Together. Look at the key verse at the top of your outline. 1 John 1 7, and we'll pull it up here as well. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We must have unity, continually building one another up challenging one another in our sin and walking with one another in our trials. That is what we are called to do. Circle the verse in your outline under uh, the first fill-in, 1 Corinthians 1.10. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought, 
and purpose. That's because this is the only way to fulfill the greater mission of the church. Be of one mind. Listen, unhealthy churches are filled with politics and personal agendas. And they're filled with those things because the church has built a culture of individualism over purpose. We have a singular purpose together. Gossip and undermining and division has no place in the church. And if you're engaging in those things, stop it. If you are engaging in those things, I'm going to be honest, you don't belong in the church. We can't tolerate those things in the church because the mission is too important. Look at Titus 3.10 when you have a second. Write that down, Titus 3.10. Don't allow division in the church. So what does a healthy Christian community look like? Well, the best example is probably found in the first description that we have of the New Testament church. It's recorded in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. You can go ahead and turn or swipe there in your Bibles right now. If you're using this Bible that we have available in the bookstore, it's on page 876, 876. That's what we're going to be looking at this morning. So at this point in our timeline, Jesus has risen from the dead. Jesus has given his instructions to the church. That's what we talked about last week. He's ascended back into heaven and the new believers have just received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost for the first time. So the description of the early church that we have here reveals a pretty electrified group of people because all of this happened pretty quickly. So they're excited. And so it's fair to ask, is it fair to measure the modern church against the church that's described in the book of Acts? To be fair, some would say no. Some would say that this was the church of the apostles, so it's different. That they were being persecuted, that many of them were in hiding, that they were in a different culture, they were in a different time, and that they had just barely received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And all those things absolutely need to be taken into consideration culturally. But maybe those are the very exact reasons we should compare the early church to the modern church. See, they were the closest to the source of our hope. And it's the purest description of the church that we have. Now, I really want to encourage you through this week, read the entire book of Acts so that you get the entire picture. But what we're going to concentrate today on is the end of chapter 2, starting in verse 42. Verse 42, chapter 2. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So as you can see, in the original Greek, what this means is all the believers devoted themselves to the teaching of Fox News, to the fellowship of football games, to sharing chicken wings as they prayed for their team. No, wait, that's a different translation. Look, I love chicken wings probably more than anyone in this room. And I love college football. 
and I'll be watching the game tomorrow. But here's what you have to understand. This phrase, all the believers devoted themselves. That's two Greek words. And what it means in the Greek is a state of being. To exist in devotion. What do you exist for? What, what in your life are you truly devoted to above everything else? Well, the first thing that the early church was devoted to was they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Let's highlight that. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, the apostles had a very special place in history, and their teachings actually were the word of God. The apostles' teachings were the foundation of the New Testament that we have today. And we're going to expand on that in a few minutes. But the believers were learning the word of God together. They had a hunger for the gospel. And they had a hunger for what God was saying to them as a group. So a healthy Christian community requires devotion to learning God's word together. Circle the word together. And there's an entire list of passages in your outline that you can dig into with your small group and you can explore why it's so important for us to be learning the word of God. We put in extras so that you could do that. In fact, there's extra passages for all the fill-ins today so that you can do that with your small group. But Sunday is a time of equipping one another growing together and exploring the power of what God has to say to us as a group, as a church. Are you devoted to coming to church every week or do things get in the way? See, the early church had a hunger for understanding scripture. They had a hunger for understanding what they were being taught. Let's leave the church in Jerusalem just for a minute and let's fast forward to the church in Berea. This is in Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. See, they were eager to be taught the word of God. But they also had such a devotion to God's word and God's truth that they searched the scriptures day and night, every day, to make sure that what they were being taught was true. One of the best things that happens in the small group that I'm in is when a question comes up about something that Perry has said in one of his messages. And we have to abandon all the other questions and we start digging into the scripture and we start debating and we go back and forth and we look things up. We debate the issue. And my group is really weird. <laughs> so if our group can do it, your group can do it too. And if you don't have a small group, you need to get to connected to one. JC told you about our Get Involved event that's coming up. Come, learn about our small groups. Learn about our support groups if you need to live in community for divorce care or grief share or our group for parents of adult children who are prodigals. Come to the get involved and then get involved. We need to dig into the Bible on our own, yes, but we also need to do it in community because that's what protects us from interpreting scripture to mean what we want it to mean rather than what it really says. Do you have a hunger 
for learning God's word. I'm going to step on somebody's toes here, and I don't want to, but it's going to happen. Church hopping is a major distraction to the mission of the church and the purpose of Jesus Christ. Now, if a church is teaching heresies, yes, get out of there. But otherwise, you need to bloom where you are planted. Because you know what most people say when they start church hopping? The reason that they give for leaving is, I just wasn't being fed. Listen, most people who feel like they're not being fed at church are starving themselves the rest of the week and hoping that the church can fulfill that hunger in one hour a week. And same thing with those people. They're not built into a healthy community. They're not digging into the scripture or growing with other people. They don't have community, at least not a healthy one. And that leads to the second devotion that the early church had. They devoted themselves to fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. Now, we'll talk more about the Lord's Supper in a little bit. But they spent time together with a focus on Christ. So a healthy community requires devotion to fellowship. Devotion to fellowship. Celebrate Recovery for Adults and the Landing for Students are a discipleship program that we have here for overcoming all different types of past hurts and habits and sin issues. So whether it's anger or codependency or addiction or peer pressure or overcoming abuse, it helped me with anxiety and depression, relationship issues. But whatever it is, there's a reason that we host a cafe after every meeting. There's a reason that Celebrate Recovery and the Landing have fellowship events every month. It's because real healing and real growth and real discipleship happen in relationship. When someone comes to care ministries looking for help because they feel like their life is falling apart and they don't know where to turn, do you know what the very first set of questions we ask them is? We say, what's your support system look like? Are you plugged in? Are you connected to a small group or a ministry in the church? And if they're not living in community, the very first thing we do in care ministries is try to get you connected to one because we know that without that sense of fellowship, anything that we do with them, any steps that we take are gonna be short-lived. It's only gonna be a Band-Aid because you need to be living in community. Christian fellowship is more than just a group of people being together. It's encouraging one another in hope. It's equipping one another in our gifts, challenging one another in our growth and sharing how God is moving in our lives. If you want to make a difference for God's kingdom in a broken world, if you want to be able to engage in the things we talked about last week, you need to have a strong community supporting you and helping you grow in Jesus Christ. We've been asking everybody to read this book as a supplement to our series. It's Surprise the World, Five Habits of Highly Missional People by Michael Frost. Short, easy read. It's available in our bookstore. But one of the things that this book represents or suggests is to be intentional with your meals and be intentional with your meal times. You have 21 meals a week. This book recommends that you spend just three of them 
eating with another person. At least one of them being a non-believer that you are building a relationship with. And at least one being someone from within the church. Why? Because with very few exceptions, you cannot fulfill your mission in the world without the support, wisdom, and encouragement of a healthy Christian community. And I would further challenge you that one meal be with a non-believer and you make two meals be with someone from within the church. One person that you are feeding into and one person who's mentoring you. We need fellowship. That's why our hashtag for this series is hashtag as we go. Because you fail if your hashtag is as I go. Every time. How would you rate your devotion to fellowship? How will you become more involved in community? Look in your outline at the bottom of page two, our engage hashtag action for this week. Read that over. Now, if you weren't here last week, we explained the hashtag concept. We explained why we're doing it, how we're doing it, how you can be engaged. So again, if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to go back and listen to that message so that you can fully engage with this. And I'm so, so grateful to the people who over this last week have been posting on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. The response has been amazing, not just the number of people, but the depth of the sharing, the transparency and the realness has been moving. You saw some of them at the beginning in our bumper video before the message started. Here's one from this week, this last week. This is uh, from Brookwood Connect, which is a college-age Bible study that meets on Wednesday nights. Check them out if you're in that age group. They're part of our young adults group. And this is what they wrote. Brookwood Connect, uh, they wrote, Lord, this is a prayer, hashtag as we go, help us to grow as a group this new year and encourage other young adults in their walk with God. Then they tag Brookwood Church and then their ministry, Brookwood Young Adults. Isn't that awesome? They want to grow as a group. So as we build community, let's try this week to double our posts and let's try to encourage one another by liking and commenting, not just for the sake of doing it, but to build one another up, to encourage one another. You can post as yourself or you can post as your small group or your ministry team, just like this group did. Fellowship face-to-face. Fellowship face-to-face supplemented by online community. Let's continue reading in our text in the book of Acts. So what else do we see? All the believers devoting themselves to what? What did we miss? Prayer, right? Prayer. So the last thing verse 42 tells us is that the believers were devoted to prayer. Now remember that for a minute because we have to sidetrack for just a second. So remember prayer and let's bring up the other verses that go with this. So they devoted themselves to prayer and a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. I don't want to skip over that verse. That's verse 43. I don't want to skip over that. So let's just spend a moment to talk about that. This is a little side note. 
a deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. As we said earlier, the apostles had a very specific role in the early church. They directly spoke the word of God. People were healed when Peter's shadow passed over them, Acts 5. They raised people from the dead, Acts 9. And many scholars will point out that these greater signs and miracles that we're seeing here were necessary in the early church and able to confirm God's word through the apostles until we had the New Testament to serve as God's witness. And that is true. It's also true that we no longer have apostles, at least not in the way that they're described here. But God does still work in miracles. We have care volunteers available to pray with people every week after the service. They anoint people with oil and sometimes, according to God's will, we do see healing. So the question is this. Have we lost the sense of awe that the early church had because there are no more miracles? Or do we no longer see the miracles that are around us because we've lost our sense of awe? The early church was filled with the Holy Spirit. They saw the works of the Holy Spirit. They were engaged with the Holy Spirit. And how did they do that? Look at our text. They devoted themselves to prayer And then down in 46, they worship together at the temple each day. A healthy community requires devotion to prayer and worship. Prayer and worship. And we can absolutely pray and we can absolutely worship on our own and we should. But we're also called to worship and pray together. You know, every Sunday we meet at 8.15 a.m. right here in front of the stage for prayer before services. And there's often a sense of power and a tangible sense of the Holy Spirit's presence when we pray together. It prepares our hearts for worship and we can sense God preparing us for something as a church. Now we usually have 20 or 30 people show up and I am so thankful for those people, but we're a church of thousands What would happen if we filled this room with people seeking God's movement at Brookwood Church? Come early for prayer and worship. If you're coming into the service after worship has started, you're coming in one or two or three songs in, you are missing the point of what church is. And you're missing how the Spirit can speak to you during corporate worship. I just came across a note in in Song of Songs in the Old Testament. The Hebrew word for singing is the same word for pruning. God prunes you. He grows you through worship. If you're not willing to worship God and have intimacy with God, how do you expect to hear from him during the message? This is Paul's advice on how to conquer sin in your life. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He equates singing to avoiding sin. 
We've already said the word devoted in this passage is a state of being. It's, it's a state of existing for something. Do you want your existence to be one of communion with God or one of communion with your schedule? Come early on Sundays with a heart already prepared. Do the work at home. Come prepared for worship and prayer. Come to the night of worship that we're having on January 20th. Be willing to engage with the Holy Spirit and see what the Holy Spirit does. So healthy community has a devotion to learning God's word together, to living in fellowship, coming together for prayer and worship. Healthy community also requires a devotion to caring for one another. A devotion to caring for one another. Now get ready. This last one's gonna be a rough ride. Now part of my job is being a care pastor, so I like caring for people most of the time. But verse 44 in our text today, in our passage, is very difficult for any believer that was raised in the Western culture. It says this. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and their possessions and they shared the money with those in need. Ouch. Now, make sure you understand what is being said here. This particular statement is talking about generosity beyond giving money to the church leaders for redistribution or for ministry. We are absolutely 100% called to give to the church. And we're going to talk about that in one of the messages in this series. But I'm not going to tell you which one because I want you to show up. But what this is talking about is having an overwhelming love for other believers, a love so sincere for one another that they were giving directly and sacrificially to the needs of every other believer. And we know from Acts 5 that all of this giving was voluntary. And we know that they still had homes, they still had properties. We see that in our passage, uh, chapter 2, verse 46. But the Holy Spirit gave them a love so deep for one another that their own needs and possessions didn't matter to them as much as the needs of other believers. They voluntarily and joyfully surrendered whatever was necessary to meet the needs of those in the body. Now check this out. The second century philosopher, Aristides, he wrote an explanation or an apology of Christianity and he wrote it to a king. And one of the things that he wrote in that apology was that if they find poverty, they meaning the church, if Christians find poverty in their midst and they don't have any spare food, they, the entire group, will fast for two or three days in order that the needy might be supplied with the necessities. But to be fair, those believers probably didn't cause a delay in the parking lot, right? What really happened to this culture in the church where every believer directly and sacrificially cared for the needs of every other believer, not just monetarily, but spiritually, emotionally? 
Did it just last a few weeks after Pentecost? Was it tied to Pentecost? Maybe a month, maybe a year? I came across a very disturbing answer to that question when I was studying. And I was gonna paraphrase it, but I just feel like I'm supposed to read it directly to you. So this is from the Bible background commentary. Bible background commentary. It says, these actions did not reflect an ascetic ideal, meaning it wasn't a religious practice, as in some Greek or Jewish sects, but instead the practice of radically valuing people over possessions. Such behavior reportedly continued among Christians well into the second century, so over a hundred years, and it was long ridiculed by pagans until pagan values finally overwhelmed the church. Let that sink in for a minute. So after 1,800 years, how do we get that kind of culture back? Is it possible? I don't know. I don't know, but what if we tried? The Greek word used for fellowship in verse 42 is koinonia. Koinonia means fellowship, partnership, partnering together, communion together, and generosity. What, what if this were the way that we lived our lives with unconditional love for one another and living with the unity of purpose, with none of that gossip, none of the stuff that divides church if we just loved one another? These early believers regularly engaged in what they called the love feast. Love being the Greek word agape for perfect, unselfish, godlike love. The agape feast. That's what's referred to in verse 42 and 46 of our text. It's here. We're going to highlight the section. Um, they were sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. And then we jump down. They worshiped together at the temple each day. Met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy. They would gather together in homes. They would share a feast of fellowship based on the love of Christ and remember the sacrifice of Jesus as they broke bread together. When was the last time you had someone over to your house and you did communion as part of your meal. And that's not a judgment because I've never done it either. When we shared in the Lord's Supper as part of our pause series, we uh, had nearly five minutes of quiet time. And we kept it very quiet so that we could uh, remember Christ's sacrifice, commune with God and hear his voice. That and self-examination are the most vital aspects of the Lord's Supper. But I think sometimes we've lost the fellowship aspect of communion. So we're going to do something very different today. And some of you are going to hate this. And I have to admit, I'm kind of excited about that. But you know what? It is okay to be uncomfortable. Let me say right from the top, it's okay to be uncomfortable. We're all going to be uncomfortable together. So you can take out your communion bags. If you didn't get one, go ahead and raise your hand. Just slip your hand up and one of our volunteers will be glad to get one for you. 
Some of you are waiting to find out what we're going to do before you raise your hand. Go, go ahead, raise your hand. It is important to understand, now listen carefully, the bread in this pouch represents the body of Christ. It represents how the body of Christ was sacrificed for our salvation. And the juice in this pouch represents his blood. It's a symbol of the new covenant, the hope of our restoration with God. We take these elements very seriously. And we're going to remember the meaning of these elements in fellowship together. So here's what we're going to do. Kensley is going to come back out and she's going to share another song with us. And while she is playing, not after she's done, but while she's playing, I want you to stand up. I want you to find a small group of one or two other people that you are going to share in communion with. Now, look around for other people. Make sure that everybody is involved. I love these smiles that are looking at me right now. <laughs> so during the song, while she's singing, what you're going to do is you're going to share communion with your group. And my hope would be, although there's no rules about this, uh, that you would share things with one another. No one's going to tell you when or how to take communion. I'm going to come down there and do it with you. So my hope is that each person in your group would say something. Uh, one sentence expressing something God is doing in your life, something that you're thankful for, how he's challenging you today. Maybe, maybe you're going to reflect on what the elements mean and what you're expressing to God by taking the elements. It doesn't matter what you say as long as it's sincere. And if you have no idea what to say, just say, I'm glad God brought me here today. That's enough. See, we don't really know how they did communion in homes. Mostly, they were in hiding. They didn't have anyone to guide them. They had to figure it out. So the beauty of that is we can't do this wrong. And your group can't do it wrong. And if you're new here, and you're like, what kind of church did I just walk into? <laughs> this is way too weird. Know that this is weird for all of us. And if you come back next week, we're not going to do this. But seriously, if you are new or maybe you've been coming for a while and you are not in a spiritual place where you feel comfortable taking communion, that is okay. No one should take communion that is uncomfortable with it. But I'm still gonna ask you to get in a group, introduce yourself, give a prayer request, just say hi. It doesn't matter, it's about the fellowship. And there's no judgment. Then, when your group is ready, you just share in the elements together. Don't worry about what the other little groups are doing. Don't worry about where Kensley is in the song. You just do what your little group is doing. And when your group is done, you can turn back and reflect on the sacrifice of Christ or you can join in the rest of the song with Kensley. Then I'm going to come back up and close us out. Let me pray. Father God, sometimes you call us to step out of our comfort zone. And some of us love talking to other people and some of us don't love talking to other people. But Lord, we know that you've called us into community together. So I pray that you would be glorified in what happens this morning. Bring to our mind the remembrance of what your sacrifice means. Bring to our mind your broken body and the blood that was shed so that we could have restoration with God. Lord, so many times we take for granted that we're allowed to have fellowship that we're allowed to have community. There's so many places around this world where trying to do this would be a life-threatening thing.
And so, Lord, I pray that we would not take that for granted and that you would be glorified. Please bless these elements. Bless our time together. In the name of Christ, amen. Let's just come back together. Community is vital to our mission in Christ. So as Kensley was singing, will you come to the table? Last week we talked about our mandate to go into the world and to be the light of Christ, to build relationships of integrity with people who don't know Jesus Christ. But if we don't live in community, if, if we're not devoted to growing in God's word and having fellowship with other believers and worshiping for one, with one another and caring for one another and praying with one another, if we don't have a devotion to those things when we go out into the world, we'll discover that the world has more influence on us than we have on the world. Community is vital to our mission. What if we truly sought God as a community? What, what if we embrace the four key elements of being the church that we're talking about over this series? What might God do if we started all moving together in the same direction? What kind of revival might we see? The last statement in our text in the book of Acts chapter 2 says this. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I believe God can do this again. I believe that there can be a revival in Greenville County. I believe that there can be a revival in our nation. God can do anything through the church if we're willing to be the church. If God is speaking to you today and you've got something on your heart that you need to let go of or you, you need someone to pray with you, we're going to have care volunteers down front right after we pray. And I want to encourage you to do that. Continue to be in community. Grow in community. Be the church. Father God, we don't know how to keep our own selfishness from preventing us from living in community the way that you want us to. So I pray, Lord, that you would guide us in that, that you would show us. You are the God of community. You are a God of restoration. You are a God of hope. And Lord, I just pray that each one of us, you would remind us again and again and again what you have done for us, and that might be reflected in how we treat those around us. Give us a love for the world like we talked about last week and give us a love for one another like we talked about this week. We ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. Here at Brookwood Church, our desire is to assist you in pursuing a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience transformed life. One of the ways that you can do that is by getting connected here at Brookwood. 
If you would like to know more about the many ways that you can connect with other Christians, or if you just have questions about who we are, you can email us at connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call us at 864-688-8326. You can also find our past messages on our website or on our Brookwood app. Thank you so much for listening and have a blessed day.